Good to see you guys. How y'all doing? I, I said this in the first service, and I want to say it again. Thank you, Brandon and the band, for anointed worship. Uh, seriously. Listen, there's a lot of worship, but we have anointed worship here. And we should come every Sunday expecting God to move. An expectation that our God is the living, risen King that wants to move in your life right now. That wants to change your disposition. Whatever you walked in with, God wants to change it. And God inhabits the praises of his people. So if you missed it already, the good thing is that anointing worship is also going to happen at the end. So you can catch a little bit of the Holy Spirit at the end of the service. You didn't catch him at the beginning, but he's coming for you. And I hope he's coming for you through the message. Because I've been on my knees a lot for this message. Because I want the glory of God. I want God to rock this church. And I believe he's going to. So we're talking about the glory of the kingdom today. Having kingdom encounters. I believe God is wanting our church to have kingdom encounters. Jesus preached the kingdom. And listen, it's a kingdom of power. In fact, he preached a kingdom slowly taking over the world system, as it says in 1 John, from the inside till there's nothing left of Satan's kingdom. Death was arrested. That's when my life began. We just sang those victorious words. Amen. That other kingdom, Satan's dominion, the world system, the age we currently live under. Acts chapter 1, 3 says this. Jesus would spend 40 days after his resurrection teaching his disciples what it's like to operate in the kingdom. See, in the church, we don't preach the kingdom. But if you're a believer, you're in the kingdom of God. Listen. So he spends all these days preaching them about the kingdom and about his resurrection. And 10 days later, the power of Holy Spirit would drop on them. Because you can't operate in the kingdom unless you have the power of the Holy Ghost. you got to have the Spirit of God living in you. They would do the things that he did. They would preach the kingdom, deliver a message, and then they would demonstrate that message. It was with miracles, healings, and the casting out of demons. You see, this whole kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, has two principles to it. The kingdom is both here and not yet. It refers to the future reign of Jesus Christ on earth. And I'm excited for that day. Even so come, Lord. And that's the not yet of it. But Jesus also said the kingdom is among you. When he was walking around streets in Jerusalem and in Israel and in Galilee, he said the kingdom is at hand. The power of God is ready Do you come with an expectation that the power of God is ready to move in your heart and in your life? See, that's the kingdom of not yet far away, but there's one right now. Jesus taught the kingdom is within you. That's the here and now of the kingdom. Let me put it another way. The kingdom of God is King Jesus' influence and sphere of power, replacing the current age of darkness both now and yet to come upon the earth. See, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within you. That's not some new age teaching. It's pretty startling. But we just saw a thing where new age beliefs have crept into the church. More Christians than ever hold at least two to three new age beliefs. Let me tell you, you will not walk in the kingdom of heaven here or later if you're walking in the power of darkness. But it's infected our churches. 
new age beliefs. When Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within you, that's not some new age teaching that we are all gods or have the potential of a God inside of you. Again, that's new age, and its roots are in the lie of the devil, the serpent in the garden. When he lied to Adam, he even said, you'll be like God. You'll be your own gods. The kingdom of God that Jesus talks about within you refers to the new life you received when you believed in Jesus. See, Colossians says this, Colossians chapter 1, 13. It says an amazing thing, and if you're a believer, this is what happened to you. It's not going to happen to you. It happened. But it says this in Colossians clicker isn't always working so Colossians 1:13 says he has rescued us from the domain of darkness the current age we're in right now and he's transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves are you in the kingdom of the son he loves are you operating in that kingdom or in the kingdom of darkness is the spirit of god moving in your life do you have some sense of hope that we have a resurrected king see when you are born again You are born of the age to come. Spirit of God is living inside of you. The kingdom is within you. Jesus said, unless you have been born of heaven, born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. And he wasn't just talking about far away. He was saying right now. You can only enter into the kingdom by believing in Jesus. You can't earn it. You can't do good works to get you in heaven. That will send you straight to hell. There's only one way you get into heaven, and it's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And believing in him and what he did on the cross, the perfect sacrifice, sinless. He didn't sin one time when he walked on this earth, and he did it for you. Don't trust in your own goodness and your own works. Trust in Jesus. And when you believe on him, John says the moment you believe in Jesus, you've translated from darkness to light. You've been translated into the kingdom of the son he loves. The problem is many believers are walking in the domain of darkness. And you've got the spirit of God living in you. The treasure of all treasures lives inside of you. Jesus described the Holy Spirit this way. He said that streams of living water would flow out of you. And I love the King James Version. It kind of sounds a little bit silly, but it's pretty cool. It says streams of living water will flow out your belly. Meaning the Holy Spirit is in you, but he wants out of you. The kingdom of God is within you, but he wants you to go take that kingdom to the world. And that is our job. That's what we're supposed to do. You see, we primarily access the kingdom life through Holy Spirit. See, where you are, if you're a believer, if you've been born again, the kingdom is. Part of our walk is being the kingdom now on earth for the Lord God to manifest through us. Streams of water flowing out of us in power. Our God is a king of power. All power is God's. And I'm telling you, this is my side note. I didn't say this in the first. I believe that the millennial generation needs to see the power of God. And I believe God's going to raise up a millennial generation. The so-called, because you guys get bagged on a lot. But I'm telling you that if the power of God will fall on the millennial generation, good things are going to happen. God things are going to happen. The, the new, the, the, that New Testament church that we all yearn for could happen in that generation. But it comes through the power of God. It comes through the power of Holy Spirit. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I believe he's going to do it. So what is the glory I've done this before. I've given you this this definition. It's a way too long definition. So take a picture if you even want it. 
But it says God's glory is the visible and tangible manifestation of the fullness of his presence, imparting and impacting the physical senses and or the natural rule of this world. His kingdom, simply put, his kingdom invading our space. Is God invading your space? Is God invading your home? Is God invading your work? Have you let him? Listen, he's either Lord of all or Lord of nothing at all. Is the kingdom of God present in your life? Is he working in you? It's simply put, it's God making himself tangible. See, his glory, his glory represents all of who God is. When his presence manifests, where God is, the environment changes and his activity is present. See, when God's glory comes, he does things. His power is present and he starts working in your heart. He starts working in your mind. If you have an expectation that he's going to show up. And every morning when you wake up, you need to be like, Holy Spirit, what's happening today? I'm expecting God for big things. Every time you come to church on Sunday, when you start worshiping and knowing that our God inhabits praise, we got to start expecting God to show up. Do you live in expectation of the Holy Spirit that a holy God lives in you? And when the church comes together, God begins to move. God wants out of us. The Holy Spirit wants to flow in this place. But his glory represents all who he is. And the environment changes. Have you seen God accelerate his kingdom in your life before? Or in the life of someone you know? It could be a miracle. It could be a healing. It could be something simple. It could be overwhelming, underwhelming. But you know it's of God. It could be what the Bible calls in the Greek the rema of the Bible when God takes a scripture and quickens, quickens it to your heart and says, I'm talking to you, listen up. It's called revelation. See, we think we do this God thing on ourselves. Do you realize it took the father revealing the son and the son revealing the father for us to even believe in him? We need his revelation every day. Every day of our lives, we need his revelation. We need God and his glory to come. You see, here's the deal. Maybe you've had that Holy Spirit impression. Have you ever felt completely exhausted when you entered church, but had your strength renewed and your hope renewed when God's presence manifested? Maybe when you're singing. If the answer is yes to that last one, it's because you experienced a small, and I'm saying a small, a small touch of God's glory. But I'm telling you, TBA, God wants to unleash a big part of his glory in this place. See, God's glory provides the necessary energy to create any matter. You're like, Brian, that's a weird thing you just said. See, the Bible describes the working. It call, it's the working. And that sounds very tame in English. But the word in Greek is energio. The Holy Spirit wants to produce energio in you to live the life of Christ and to do all kinds of things you don't even know you can do. But you have the hope of glory living in you. And he testifies that you can do these things. Has he manifested in your life? Here's a principle when God begins to move. When the glory or the presence of God manifests, everything accelerates. It both accelerates natural laws and breaks natural laws. His kingdom now can change things instantly. And our verse from the F260 reading in Amos, famous Amos, in chapter 9, 913 says it. It paints a picture of acceleration it says, in that day, and it's kind of weird to our ears, 
It's weird to our ears because it's this farming principles and it sounds kind of strange. But listen to what it says. In that day, talking about a future kingdom, but we also know the kingdom is now. We're caught between two ages, right? In that day, the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. In other words, they're trying to plant seeds and it's already sprouting up. And then when they're trying to get the stuff to sprout up, see other seeds are growing up and they don't know what's going on. It's just accelerating. It says, new wine will drip from the mountains and flow from the hills. Do you know what that new wine is? They happen to be a little bit of drunk off an axe. It's called the spirit of God. And we live in the gospel of the new wine. That's what the Bible declares. Don't put those old patches on old wineskins. It'll bust. This is a new thing he's doing. And God's glory wants to show up. But we treat it like an old thing. Like, man, it's that old gospel way back when it was really powerful and awesome. Guess what? It's still powerful today. It's still powerful today. And God wants to move at TBA Church. His age And this is what this verse means. It's his age overlapping with this age. His provision overlapping with the planting. His kingdom now overlapping with this current age when his glory is manifested through us. Glory testifies, this is why glory is so important. Glory testifies of the powers of the coming age because it's the atmosphere of heaven. And it's the king's rule and reign. God can grow something, change something in an instant that we've been trying to grow or do for years and years. Here's a a negative example of when glory shows up. When glory shows up, remember what Jesus, Jesus curses a fig tree and it instantly dries up and never bears fruit again. Another is the parable the farmer Jesus said. He plants, wakes up, and the next day it's all grown. And he says, I don't know how it happened. In John 21, one through eight, they caught nothing all night. And Jesus sees them. He's like, go ahead and throw your net on the right side of the boat. And they almost drown. They catch so many fish. In our F260 plan, we read about the ark coming back into Jerusalem. And David fears it because the bad stuff happens. And he leaves it at Obed's house. And suddenly, little Obed's house is rocked with blessing and presence of God. And David's like, I want some of that. I'm bringing that back into Jerusalem where it's supposed to be. You see... God wants to move supernaturally because God's glory was there. Supernatural things happen. Listen, we think that when we came to know Christ, that was me thinking it through. It wasn't even you coming to know Christ. It's a miracle. It's a supernatural move of God opening your heart to his glory. And God wants to do more of his glory in us. You see, Obed's house was transformed. But we need to be a people of God's transformation who are transformed by his glory, bringing glory into the natural dimension. And faith is the key to this. Guys, when we are transformed by glory, we bring his glory into our situations. We bring his glory into our prayers. We bring his glory into our problems and predicaments. And God begins to move when we have faith. Faith begins to do awesome things. Your faith can release something into the now that usually takes harvesting time and waiting. It activates the Amos principle. 
Faith accelerates his provision and kingdom worse in your house, your job, your debt, whatever it is. And that's not saying to not be a good steward. It's saying that God also moves supernaturally. And even the things that we think are natural that we're doing, God's moving in supernaturally. Your faith can release something into the now that usually takes years to do. What I'm saying is he wants us to operate from the dimension of his glory. When we do that, it's his kingdom on earth being manifested, his rule and reign. Listen, you're either manifesting God's kingdom, his glory, or Satan's dominion. Many of us don't want to admit this because we got a lot of knowledge and we got a lot of theology and we, got, we know a lot of the Bible. And we got some words, but our actions are showing something different. See, our faith activates God's glory in you and to those around you. Our unbelief activates Satan's dominion in you and to those around you. Can I ask you, what are you projecting around you? See, I believe God wants us to become a church of presence, of majesty, of his glory manifesting. He wants to invade our space with his kingdom. Will you allow him to invade your space is the question. Kingdom principles are at work when we do that, and kingdom provision is available. See, this whole glory thing we're talking about, I want to just share something special because, you know, we, we're, I'm going to read this and it's not going to sound very special, but listen to what Jesus says about his glory. God revealed his glory through the Son. Jesus is the glory of God. And here's what's awesome. He gave his glory to us. Man, that is a treasure. We don't understand what that means. That's from John 17, and this is what Jesus said. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, Father, that they may be one just as we are one, that they may behold my glory which you have given to me. Does the world see the glory of Jesus in you? Do they see that Amos principle of God's kingdom manifesting wherever you go? See, we need to be a people of glory who give a taste of the coming age. Listen, the world's getting darker I believe we're, we're in the end times. That's just me. You can believe what you want, but it's getting dark out there. It's getting a little crazy out there. I believe we're in the end times. And Isaiah 62 says this, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But I love this next part. But the Lord will arise over you. He'll tabernacle over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. TBA is his glory seen upon us. Will you be part of the glory or will you continue to live in darkness? But this is what I want to ask you this morning. Are you willing to pay the price to move in his glory? What do you mean by that, Brian? Let me ask it to you this way. How do we move in glory? As Eric Phillips, our children pastor says, dignity is not a fruit of the spirit. I like that. Let me add to that. Comfort is also not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. If you want to move in glory, we will have to break away from our comfort zones, our pride, and our dignity. And I know some of you are like, well, God would never make me feel uncomfortable, right? He loves me. Well, he loves you so much that he's not going to leave you in a place of comfort. And he wants you to start walking in his kingdom and not in the kingdom of darkness and start seeing as he sees and hearing the things he's saying to speak to others, the hope that's in Christ. Are we rocking this world with hope? Sometimes God 
is going to ask you to do something odd. Listen, the Bible is filled. If you think that God wants to keep us comfortable, read the Bible. If you think that, well, God's not going to make me do anything weird, read the Bible. God always seems to be asking us to do things that don't make sense. But for the one who wants to be a vessel of his glory, we must become uncomfortable. To walk in miracles and in the Amos principle, we must often remove all reason. And I know I'm stepping on American toes here, all right? But I'm going to step on them big time. I love this country. But we need our toes stepped on with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Amos principle, we must remove all reason because... Very little of what God does makes sense in the natural. If it does make sense, it probably doesn't come from God. See, in the West, we tend to operate almost exclusively on the basis of reason, logic, feelings, and emotions. For anyone to believe, it must make sense and feel right. Otherwise, they reject it. Again, what God does doesn't often make sense. So let's think about our F260 readings of the the life of the prophet Elisha. Think of Elisha. He asked some highfalutin dude named Naaman that Dave spoke about to go dip in the ugly Jordan River seven times. That's weird. Asking your neighbors for jars so oil oil supernaturally manifests to pay off debt. That's different. Throwing a branch in a river so an axe head floats. That doesn't make sense. 20 loaves that transformed to feed 100 people that Elisha did. That's odd. I believe that most people don't experience the Lord's presence or power of the Holy Spirit because they aren't willing to be uncomfortable. Elisha laid on a dude, breathed into his mouth, so he came alive. Anybody laying on me, something's going down, right? That's how we usually act, right? So do you think, by what we heard, that God may make you a little uncomfortable for your miracle to come to you? I believe he will, and I believe he does. I believe he does. I believe that most people don't experience the Lord's presence or the power of the Holy Spirit because we're unwilling to be uncomfortable, undignified, and to drop our pride and our teaching. Therefore, they walk in a form of unbelief. Why does he ask us to do odd things? I think he primarily does it for a few reasons. But often it is to move us out of the familiar so we can have faith. Faith Faith is primarily in the spirit realm. And it comes by revelation. That word is hugely important. I've been already talking about it. Revelation is revealed knowledge through relationship with the Holy Spirit. He takes the word of God, dreams, visions, the church, and other believers, and speaks what God wants to do. This realm is not reason or feeling. Now, eventually, it will manifest itself there. But often, it's feelings and logic and reason that trip us up into unbelief. And we don't have faith. See, God can do much more than what our human intellect is able to understand, assimilate, or reason. In the faith space, you will be labeled crazy. John the Baptist, running around in the desert, eating locusts, that's weird. Choosing 12 dirty fishermen to preach the gospel doesn't make sense. When Jesus put mud on somebody's eyes and spit on him, that's interesting. If we desire the supernatural, we must be flexible and ready to obey Holy Spirit at a moment's notice. Faith gives us the ability to believe above human reason 
because it supersedes all reasoning. I told you I was going to offend us. It offends me because we all got the flesh. Now we got to operate in the spirit. You see, every believer is powerful because the God of power lives in you. Jesus said what he did, you would do also on earth. That hasn't gone away. That his glory will be seen in the church. And here's the main proof that Jesus will do and wants to do supernatural things in you and through your life. I love it, and we celebrate it all the time, but we don't get it. The resurrection. Jesus is alive. You are here to give witness to a risen king. Listen to what Acts 4.33 says. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them. I want great grace for this church. But we got to operate and give witness to our risen king. Miracles done in the name of Jesus are the supernatural evidence of his resurrection. That's why they're so important. We serve a living king. And if Jesus was resurrected, he'll do greater things than even when he walked on earth through us. Because Ephesians says it. It says the same power that rose Christ from the dead now is in you. How many of us are tapping into that? Miracles testify that Jesus lives. A life changed. A repentant life testifies of a risen king. See, to most churchgoers, he is the historic Jesus who died and hopefully resurrected. And yes, he is historic. He came down from heaven and he lived and died and resurrected from the grave. He is historic. To this people, though, the powerful, supernatural, real, living, raised from the dead, Jesus remains a complete stranger. But listen, he's still a miracle-working Savior. Jesus is full of power to speak to your heart right now and perform miracles today. My prayer is he's speaking to you even now, that he's rattling you right now. The Spirit of God is moving in you. He hasn't changed, and his name is power. We have many substitutes in church for the power of God. Many of us are suspicious of it. So we revert to the substitutions. And we need revelation that the Holy Spirit gives so we'll have faith. When we operate apart from revelation and the illumination of the Spirit, we are what Paul calls carnal-minded Christians. Christians, carnal-minded Christians are either very worldly or very religious and really a combination of both, and they're miserable. They're miserable. They depend on the intellect and feelings, not faith, that should inform your intellect and your feelings. They walk in the soulish part of man, that's the mind, will, and emotions, not the spirit that was born again and united with the Holy Spirit that now lives within you. See, after, after Adam sinned, the spirit died in man. That's what we inherited Sin took the ability to see in the spiritual realm. Remember in Genesis, they're living in the spirit. Their spirit is perfect. And it says the spirit of God was walking through the garden. They saw his form with their spiritual eyes. This is the reason the carnal mind has problems dealing with anything it cannot explain. and has trouble understanding God and his supernatural power. Listen, the apostle Paul, pretty cool guy, right? wrote a lot of the New Testament under the, the breath of the Holy Spirit, inspiring him. Amen? I'd say Paul is pretty awesome. Paul was a brilliant man 
yet he learned to trust the illumination of the Holy Spirit rather than the carnal mind. Did he have problems? Yes, but he trusted God. We have to renew the mind with God's thoughts to begin to see like him, to begin to think like him. So how do we do that? Most of you got it in your lap. The Bible, the word of God. Romans says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, we're doing this F260 plan because we want you to have a biblical worldview, but we also want you to begin to taste the spiritual life in God's word and to see as he sees and handle situations like him. See, when we handle situations with the carnal mind, we limit God and lose hold of the supernatural. The Amos principle is stalled. The carnal mind will always doubt God's power because it's an unrenewed mind. Why are we more carnally minded than Christ-minded? Because we all struggle with it. It's because we live between the tension of this age, of death, and the devil, and the age to come. It's like we're caught between two worlds, yet we've been translated into a different kingdom. Our eyes see and experience so much pain in Satan's kingdom around us and in our lives that we sort of get broken down by the world. And we don't expect anything supernaturally. And it's what I call, it's a, it's a Greek word called the Eeyore effect. Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. It's not Greek and it's not, I'm joking. But we have the Eeyore effect. We're so broken by the world system and Satan's dominion. We don't expect anything supernatural. So it's the Eeyore effect. It'll never change. God will never heal me. God can't move on my marriage. It'll never get better. There's no hope. And man, we need some spiritual tiggers. I'm not saying you got to be charismatic. I'm just saying that we have a hope, the hope of glory living in us. The hope of glory should shine out of us. That's what we need. So here's the deal. I also think it's because of our teaching, our theologies, and our comfort zones and our pride. But listen, two kingdoms cannot govern an individual. Jesus came to establish the kingdom of heaven on earth and in your life. And listen, there are things that are obvious that keep us in Satan's dominion, like drugs or Ouija boards, new age beliefs, magic, porn, sexual immorality, envy, jealousy, unforgiveness, pride. See, some of those things seem innocent. You're like, well, you're going too far saying that's demonic. The Bible says different. And you're like, well, everybody's doing it. It probably can't have that much of a spiritual influence, so no big deal. But the truth is, it has demonic power behind it. Listen, we don't get this in the West. Africa's got it. China's got it. They move in supernatural power. It's us who are relying on reason and logic and feelings and emotions that don't get it that our God is a risen king and he wants to move in our lives. And we don't understand that the world is dragging us down as the church when we should be testifying of a risen king. And we need to do that. See, those are really obvious things. But even more subtle is the unbelief in the church. Unbelief in the power of the blood of Jesus to break every stronghold in your life. Whatever it is, sickness, depression, whatever it is, he wants to break it. He wants to shake it up. He wants to rattle your heart and your mind. But it's our unwillingness to believe and our unwillingness to break with the world. See, Jesus rebuked whole towns because of their lack of faith. And it says he couldn't do many miracles there because of his, their unbelief. Do you think there are churches that he rebukes because of their lack of faith 
And because of their unbelief, he can perform very few miracles there. You better believe it. TBA, we're going to become a church where God's glory can come. See, the problem is our eyes are fixed on the wrong kingdom. We fix our eyes on what's seen. And the Bible says we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So what do we have faith in? The unseen, because it's eternal. His glory is eternal. His power is eternal. And Paul goes on to write, we walk by faith, not by sight. See, the only way to know God and to relate to his supernatural and invisible realm is by faith. Faith is the only thing that pleases God. Faith causes supernatural things to manifest in the natural. Faith is for now. This is the Amos principle required to receive your miracle. Miracles exist in the now, not in time. They're eternal. Jesus declared with power and authority, be healed. Do you notice he didn't have to pray for endless hours? He was so convinced the kingdom was at hand and the spirit of God was ready to do things. He was like, be healed, be healed. That's all he had to say. Now, sometimes he put mud and spit at him for dramatic effect. I don't know why he did it. Lord, forgive me. He's like, dramatic effect, what are you saying? No, just joking. That'd be funny if he did. And if we all heard that. But Jesus wants to move in your life. Miracles exist for the now because they exist in the eternal and faith unlocks that. We often declare for the future, right? Well, one day God will move. Maybe one day he'll do something. Or we say in the past, it wouldn't have been great if he moved. I don't know, you've heard me say this before, but it, Jesus' precious friends, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, were, were just strong friends of his. And Lazarus, his precious friend, dies and Jesus shows up to town. He delays going to see his friend that's died and to comfort the family. He waits four days. And he waits four days because the Jews had a belief that after three days, the spirit departed from a person and they couldn't be resurrected. And he waits four days. Now, it doesn't say that in the Bible, but we know that from history. And he waits four days and he goes. And they come running out to Jesus. And they run out to Jesus and they say, Lord, Lord, if you'd only been here, this wouldn't have happened to my brother. And they're like a lot of us. Sometimes even with boldness, we, we proclaim, God, if you've been here and we get bitter and, and angry, and I understand that. And, and the Lord wants to, to heal that heart and work in you. He has compassion. He understands what it's like to walk this earth. But Jesus said to her, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. So then she shifts gear from the past. She says, well, I know one day, someday, way down in the future, you're gonna do something awesome. You'll resurrect and it'll be great. And that's true. And Jesus says, no, believe, believe right now, believe. And Lazarus is healed. And in John eleven forty, 40 says, didn't I tell you if you only believe you would see the glory of God? The glory of God is now, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right now. Many of you have been transferred into his kingdom, but you're still operating the dominion of darkness. Bust out of that. Come into the realm of faith. When we believe in our strong, risen Savior, we serve a risen Savior, and we are called to declare his glory to the world. But glory's got to show up in your life first. Otherwise, we ain't going anywhere. We serve a Lord who is still 
a miracle worker, and a savior that still saves us from our sins. I love the key word in our passage in Amos is to overtake. His kingdom wants to overtake your circumstances, overtake your heart, overtake your mind. He wants to accelerate what you can't do. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I declare by faith that your eyes and your ears and your spiritual senses will be open to receive a supernatural experience with the living, real, risen Jesus Christ, who is Lord. All things are under his feet. All your problems, all your problems, everything are under his feet according to Ephesians. Stop living like they're above Jesus. He is risen and exalted on high. As the band comes up, I was thinking this week, just waiting for God to say, here's how I want you to end the service. And I didn't know. And he's given me little clues. But today I woke up and I was at the office and I was praying and worshiping. And I, I, I opened up a, a, a devotional. And I don't always do this devotional on Sunday. But I opened it up today. This is what I opened it up to. Exodus fifteen twenty six. Exodus fifteen twenty six. This is what the Lord says. And I believe because there's no coincidences and I'm preaching this message and I open up today. This is what the Lord, his revelation right now to your heart, spirit of God, put it on them. This is what God says. I am the Lord who heals you. Right now, the kingdom of God is at hand. And I was praying, Lord, how do you want to close out this, this service? I want you to demonstrate your power. And I was reading in Acts and it says this, and it's what I want my life to be like. I plead with God, make me a man that's like this. But it says that Peter was testifying to Cornelius and he was saying how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing everyone under the power of the devil because God was with him. I wanna be that man. I wanna start having faith and moving in the supernatural. I think... God wants to manifest his presence in ways that we don't even know yet. And so I was reading that passage and I'm praying, Lord, what, how do you want to do this? And Peter healed somebody right before that. And this is what Peter said to him. And I think this is what the Lord wants to do today. It says that Peter said, Jesus heals you. And I think that's why I read that Exodus passage where God said, you need to remind them that I'm their healer. You're not. You're not their savior. I am. And if he's a resurrected king, he can move in your life. He can move in your depression. He can move in your job. He can move in your marriage. He can move in whatever it is. Our God is still a saving God. And so Jesus often used the expression, the finger of God. And so today I'm gonna be right down here. And if you want, if, if there's something, a burden in your life, something you just, you need the Lord right now, I just wanna put the finger of God on you and say, Jesus heals you. Jesus breaks that yoke. No more slavery freedom. Now we just sang songs about the freedom that's in Jesus Christ. Let's live it. So I'll be here if you want to come up. I may pray over you too. I told them I was just going to tell them you're healed and then go back. No one believed me because I still ended up praying for them. But there's some of you today that you're not even in the kingdom of God. You're not even in the kingdom of heaven. Maybe you've been trying to earn it. Listen, the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can cleanse you from your sin and give you new life. The only way you can be forgiven is because of the cross of Jesus. Because what he did, because he lived a perfect life. He never sinned. 
and he received our shame and our iniquity so that we could go free, so that we could be free indeed. Whom the sun sets free, they are free indeed. But are we living in the domain of darkness? Because then we're not showing the freedom we already have. You've got it. Let's live it. So finger of God, Jesus heals you. Come up when you're ready.